today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Guard your heart with all vigilance. So depending on the translation, you may have a bit of a different wording there. Well, what's the big idea? The big idea today is very simple. Guard your heart to guard your life. Guard your heart to guard your life. Do you you want to be kept from wandering into sin and foolishness? Guard your heart. Do you want to run well the Christian walk and to finish the race well? Guard your heart. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Today, Pastor Ricky will be exhorting us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Now, clearly this command within Proverbs isn't talking about guarding our literal physical hearts. This is talking about guarding the seat of our emotions and thoughts. The Apostle Paul challenged the church to take every thought captive that is contrary to Christ. Some of the ways we guard our hearts is by obeying the commands of Jesus, not allowing ourselves to be deceived by false teachings. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part one of his message, The Heart and the Springs of Life. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 20. And before we read the passage, I want to ask you a couple questions. Have you ever said anything like this? I'm sorry, I've been irritable lately. I just haven't been getting a lot of sleep. Or something like this. I just feel like I can't stop watching those shows that I know I probably shouldn't watch. And I have no idea where this weird desire to watch this stuff is coming from. Or... You know, whenever I'm around her in particular, I just find myself saying hurtful things. She just brings it out of me. Or our teenage son keeps neglecting his schoolwork and going out with his friends instead, and we need a lot more rules about how much he's supposed to study every day, what he does in that study hour, and then afterwards who he can hang out with and where and for how long. Now, there are elements of truth in all of these statements, but simply following the solutions we just laid out are going to fall totally short. And as we've been in the study of the book of Proverbs, there's a bit of a danger. There's a bit of a danger because Proverbs has a lot of of do this and don't do this kind of commands, right? Uh, Don't be foolish and do this. Do be wise and do this. But if all you do are apply the do's and don'ts of Proverbs, I don't believe you're ever going to experience deep and lasting change. And so what we're doing this morning is we're going to focus in on a small section of Proverbs that we need to understand so that we can experience deep and lasting change. And so all of the do this and don't do this commands fall into the right place. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, and this is God's holy an authoritative word. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all 
vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you your crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. God's word. Well, this little section is a unique little section, and the main verse of this section, as as is the case sometimes in Proverbs, is not the first verse or the last verse, but the middle verse. The 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 words here, uh, the verses here, lead up to verse twenty three, and then kind of flow out from verse 23. So in other words, the the first verses are about things that flow into your heart, and then there's the command about the heart, and then they flow out of the heart. So what we're going to do is focus in just for a few minutes on this very simple but very profound verse. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, guard your heart above all else. And the NIV says, guard your heart with all vigilance. So depending on the translation, you may have a bit of a different wording there. Well, what's the big idea? The big idea today is very simple. Guard your heart to guard your life. Guard your heart to guard your life. Life. Do you you want to be kept from wandering into sin and foolishness? Guard your heart. Do you want to run well the Christian walk and to finish the race well? Guard your heart. Do you want to be able to care for other people well and to raise your children well? Look to their hearts. And today we're going to answer two very simple questions. Why guard your heart? And I'm using the NIV's wording there. Why guard your heart? And second, how do you guard your heart? First, why guard your heart? Now, we first need to define what the heart is. Um, Because in our culture, we use the heart primarily to simply refer to our emotions, right? When a certain guy sings about being shot through the heart and you're to blame, he's not referring to a combat situation, right? He's not saying, oh, the literal organ I have in the left side of my chest has been shot and you, lady... It's your fault. No. We, we talk about following our hearts, right? And we're not literally talking about this lub-dub going on inside this organ. What are we talking about? We're talking about our emotions. I feel this. Now, the Hebrew definition of the heart is, involves that, but it's bigger than that. See, in the Hebrew concept, um, the heart was not just the emotions, but the will and the desires. The the ESV study Bible, which is my favorite study Bible, I think I found my favorite definition of the heart in that study Bible this week, and it's this. The heart in Proverbs regularly refers to the, listen, to the center of one's inner life and orientation to God from which a person does all thinking and feeling and choosing. Okay, so this is kind of your inner life and relationship with God from which you think and you feel and you act. Now, this is so important because our world often focuses on appearances. How does a person appear from the outside? What do they look like on their Facebook 
profile? What do they seem like when they come into the office? But Psalm 7-9 says that God probes our hearts. Now, why does God do that? Why doesn't God just look at, at how we're acting and thinking and behaving? Well, he does do that, but he goes deeper because the true person resides in the heart. About three hours outside of El Paso, there is the dusty West Texas town of Marfa. Anybody ever been to Marfa? Come on, Marfa. Um, it is awesome. It's actually really weird, but kind of cool. And on the way there for the last stretch of it, you, you drive a two-lane highway. And there is nothing, and I mean nothing, around. And so you're driving this highway, and out of nowhere, if you look to your right on the way to Marfa, you'll see a Prada store. Yes, the Prada, that Prada, a Prada store. The, the logo is perfect, and there are display windows with fancy handbags in them. But if you stop and get out, you'll discover all there is is a door instead of display windows with nothing behind it. See, our world is so concerned with the display in the front that we often never bother to walk around and see what's going on behind it. Even, even when it comes to ourselves, we're so concerned about the way that we come across to others or appear to others, and we often spend little time thinking and, and perceiving our hearts from which everything in our lives flows. So the command is keep your heart or guard your heart. Uh, Bible commentator and scholar Bruce Waltke says that the word here in the original language in the Hebrew refers to a place under guard, a prison, or standing guard. In that sense, it may mean either to keep a sharp lookout, to keep someone or something in custody, and to restrain it as a prisoner, or my favorite, as a dragon in the book of Job, or to protect it from an enemy without, as Nehemiah's guards protected Jerusalem. So, so there's this kind of dual nature of you're, you're guarding it from, out, from the outside, from attackers, but you're also restraining what's inside. You're not just like, oh, heart, what do you want to do today? Because it may not have some great ideas, right? So you restrain, you keep it, you guard it, but you also guard it from outside influences that can come in and corrupt it. Now, um, all of the Bible study guys will go, <clears throat> wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> I thought that Jeremiah and Romans 3 in particular says the heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, that's true. Our hearts are corrupted by sin. But uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem points out that in the New Testament, we learn that when we trust Christ for salvation, God does a, a work in our hearts. He gives us a new heart. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. And if you apply this verse in that context, in light of the New Testament, you, you see that God is doing a work in our hearts. The Spirit is at work in them. So we must guard and protect that work. We must, in, in the words of Galatians, walk by the Spirit. We are to restrain evil in our hearts, but also protect it from outside influence and attack. Why? The verse tells us, because from it flow the springs of life. In other words, what you do in your life flows from your heart. Nobody just wakes up and does something. What you do today and what you did yesterday flow from your heart. 
the center of who you are and your relationship with God from which you feel and think and act. It starts with the heart. And there's this image of the springs of life. It's this evocative image where this this spring is bubbling up and, and goes and then affects and covers everything else in your life. But you must be very careful with the source of that life. Now, recently, we all watched uh, for the last couple of years this crisis in Flint, uh, Michigan, where the residents at first began smelling an odd smell when they turned on the water. And then they noticed that the color was off. And then they, some of, maybe the bold ones noticed that the flavor was off. Now, I don't know why you would then drink it and be like, man, this smells weird and that looks weird, but let me taste that and think, yeah, that's definitely weird, right? Now, well, though some of them, though, couldn't perceive it. And eventually, high blood, uh, high levels of lead were found in the water, and, and it became a national emergency. And everyone was asking, how could this happen? Well, simply, to save money, the city switched from treated water from Lake Huron to water from the Flint River. They changed the source of the water, and, and there was some other things involved with that, but, but the source of the water made all the difference. Here's, here's the point I'm making. We cannot fix what's coming out of our lives without fixing the source of those things, right? It, 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 at one point in the crisis in, in Flint, Michigan, uh, they began to notice some weird stuff, so they started adding some additional chlorine to the water, to try to like fix it, right? And, and it's similar, and it obviously did not work. And so the thing though that we do is we see this stuff coming out of our lives, right? Maybe in an area like our marriage or our parenting or whatever, and we go, oh man, that's not good. And so we, we go over to the stream and we start like thinking, well, if I had some minerals here and try to shock this and chlorine and fix the pH level, maybe it'll be okay. And, and this proverb points us back and says, no, 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 listen, from the heart flows your life. If you want to fix your life, you have to fix your heart. Paul Tripp has a great illustration of this. He, he says this. Um, actually, I need this, my water bottle. Sorry. Uh, so Paul Tripp uses this illustration where he says, listen, um, what's going on in your life, the circumstances of your life don't make you react in certain ways. In other words, if we say something like, man, I, I can't be around that person because when I get around them, I just get, ooh, I just get judgy. I just start saying judgy things, you know? But it's just, it's not, it's just her. I mean, it's just like I get around her and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, like, what? I, just, I have no control over this. And Paul Tripp says this, no, 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 listen, this is what's going on. Um, you have something inside of you, right? And the circumstances of life are are things that come and they tap you a little bit. Now, what comes out is not the problem, right? The problem is what's in the bottle to begin with. And so if you've been cultivating these patterns of, of, of um, self-superiority or selfishness or judgment internally, and you get around that person, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea why these horrible comments are coming out of me. Paul Tripp says, no, well, you maybe want to check what's in the bottle. That is what's going on. From the heart flows your life. 
Listen, friends, no one commits adultery because of one day of bad decisions. There was something growing in your heart. No one explodes in anger at the office because of one difficult interaction with a customer or coworker. There was something growing in their heart. No teenager tries drugs or drinking because one day of bad decisions sweep them up into this impossible context where they have no choice. Something was growing in their heart. Nobody goes on a crazy Facebook rant that everyone kind of scrolls past and thinks, oh, wow. Nobody does that without something growing in their heart, and it just gets tapped out. So what do we do? First, we need to watch our own hearts and to seek to help others with their hearts. Now, do you, friend, look regularly at the state of your heart? Or do you only look at the external stuff in your life? Now, recently, I got frustrated with my wife, Jen, because she said, listen, I can tell that you're being anxious. But I said, listen, I'm not saying anything anxious. Normally, sometimes my patterns, when I get anxious, I start complaining and getting cynical and, and saying these things. And she goes, well, I can, I can just see it. And then I think, and I, I responded, well, listen, look, I'm not saying anything anxious, okay? Just, just like, give me some space here, lady. And I don't really talk to my wife that way, but for the sake of illustration, but she knew me enough to know that something was going on in my heart. And so many days, listen, I think that about every area of life. I think, listen, as long as I am not like out killing people, does God really care that I have anger in my heart toward this person? And the Lord sees the heart. See, Scripture calls our attention, not just the externals of our life, not to the Prada storefront that we put out for everyone to see, but behind it to see what's going on inside of us. And so friend, let me tell you, you need to keep a guard on your heart. You need to know the state of your heart. And second, you need to apply this to situations in which you help other people. Uh, when others ask for your help, do you just only give quick external kind of advice or do you carefully and appropriately try to help folks with their heart? Now, I don't mean just jumping in and be going, like, you know, kind of inserting yourself uninvited and poking around in their heart, but, but maybe you have a close friend and they're struggling with something and they don't know what's going on and maybe you begin to ask them, well, what do you think? Where do you think that's coming from? What do you think is going on in your heart that, that's leading you there? And parents, this, listen, this has an implication for us because the father in Proverbs is a wise dad. He, he gives his sons lots of practical advice, but he doesn't neglect their heart. When kids are little, they often don't get concepts like being resentful, right? So we give them categories like don't hit, right? Or obey mom when she talks to you. But as they grow older, more and more of a parent's work is heart work. Now, my kids are little, so I'm not there yet. But from watching guys on our leadership team that do this well, I, I'm seeing this applied, that the external rules with kids are often necessary, but you can't fix a teenager's heart with external rules like always be back by 11 p.m., you have to get to a point where you ask, why do you want to be out late so desperately? What is going on? That, that, what are you trying to get from those friends that you, that you just are like, hey, I, I'll do anything 
to hang out with them? What's going on in your heart? Second, and very briefly, how do you guard your heart? So that's the majority of this short message, but I just wanna give a couple applications here. How on a practical basis can you guard your heart? Well, remember the dual nature of guarding your heart. First, you, you, guard, it, uh, you guard your heart from evil that may be kind of happening there. You, you keep it under lock, this, this part of your heart that desires to sin, the, the, as Paul would say, the old man. But second, you guard what, ha- what happens in there from external influence as well. So uh, I'm just gonna say this in two, two real simple ways. Watch what you take in and direct what flows out. Watch what you take in and direct what flows out. Watch what you take in. That's in verses 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. See, the father wants the son to, to incline his, his heart by inclining his ear to watch what he sees, to, to consider what he's storing in his heart. Romans 13.3 says we are to make no provision for the flesh or for our sinful nature. In other words, don't give your flesh and your sin lots of supplies so they can destroy your life. Case in point, it's crazy to cruise around internet sites where girls are wearing little clothing and listen to music objectifying women and then pray, Lord, please help me to not lust when I'm out in public, right? You're you're, you're taking in through your ears, through your eyes, this stuff that's making provision for the flesh, it's strengthening it. And this dad in Proverbs says, guard your heart. Be careful what you take in. My friend Josh, uh, who's a pastor, used this illustration of telling your friend that you're on a diet, uh, or no, a friend tells you that they're on a diet, and yet while they're hanging out with you, they pull out a giant chocolate cake and begin eating it in front of you. And you say, well, listen, hey man, I don't want to get into like the details of your diet unless you want me to, but it doesn't seem like the chocolate cake is really meeting the goals that you just laid out for me on the kitchen table. I mean, what's going on with that? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. I don't like chocolate cake. And you're like, well, why does that matter? And they say, well, the calorie doesn't count if you don't enjoy it, right? Isn't that how it works? You go, don't, right? And I'm watching this. This What Josh is pointing out is what happens as Christians is we can we can think okay well listen I'm watching this thing on TV or this internet site or whatever but and there's stuff that happens but like I don't I don't like that so it doesn't affect me right Proverbs says be very careful what you take in. shelves are lined with books and stadiums are filled with speakers touting the very latest and greatest about wisdom. And while God can and he does use these sorts of methods to impart wisdom, the very best place to obtain God's wisdom is through his word, specifically the book of Proverbs. Pastor Ricky is currently teaching through a series entitled Wisdom for Life where he will tackle everyday issues through the lens of God's wisdom. 
You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website. That's betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to join us, then please come out and visit this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The theme music for Better News Radio has been provided by Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from this series, Wisdom for Life. That's next time on Better News Radio.